You're listening to This Nazarene Life, stories of young Nazarene clergy and their role models. This episode is sponsored by Nazarene Theological Seminary. NTS offers master's, doctoral, and certificate programs designed to equip pastors and ministry leaders for faithful and effective service in the world. Programs are delivered in a flexible, convenient format that meets the needs of both distance and residential students. Take the next steps in your ministerial formation at nts.edu slash explore hyphen your hyphen call. On today's bonus episode, we'll hear from Reverend Latia Frazier and her talk from YCC OKC. I hope it's as challenging and meaningful for you as it has been for me. Thanks for all you do for young pastors, and thanks for tuning in. In pondering the question, what do I wish the Church of the Nazarene knew about its POC pastors, I quickly realized it was too big to tackle at once. By definition, POC, or person of color, refers to a person who is not white or of European heritage. Many of the things I say today may resonate with many POCs who are part of the Church of the Nazarene. I can only give voice specifically to the experience of being an African-American pastor in the Church of the Nazarene. I also want to acknowledge that I am only one voice. I am sharing my personal experience. I am not, nor do I wish to be, a spokeswoman for an entire culture of people. However, I can offer four insights I hope are helpful as I attempt to answer the question, what I wish the Church of the Nazarene knew about its POC pastors. The first insight I'd like to offer for consideration is this. POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color. To not acknowledge you do increases our invisibility in the Church of the Nazarene. POCs are aware of the skin we are in in every waking moment of the day. We bear in our bodies and souls the joys and gifts that come with being clothed in black skin, as well as the prejudices and heartache that are a part of the experience of being black in America and being a POC in the Church of the Nazarene. Approximately 5.4% of Nazarenes in USA and Canada are black. 2.5 of these would identify as African American. Obtaining statistics on how many African American Nazarenes serve as pastors proves to be problematic because the Church of the Nazarene's ministerial records do not include cultural background other than preferred language. I am part of the 2.5%. I notice I am black every time I attend a Nazarene event. I look around the room and begin to count how many African-American faces I see. I am often the only one. I then look around and count how many other people of color are present. I am not sure if my white colleagues can truly empathize with that kind of consistent aloneness. To not notice our color is to not notice us. To see our color is to notice the image of God in us 
and then to affirm along with the triune God, our existence is indeed very good. POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color so that you can be fully present with us in our grief over the genocide of black lives when we are shaken to the core by the deaths of Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, Tamar Rice, Alton B. Sterling, Sandra Blonde, Philandro Castile, Trayvon Martin, and so many unnamed others. We long for a more compassionate response then. This is not a global issue from our leaders. To not lament with us is to not see us because we see our face in the faces of those who have died. POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color. When the faith of our POC pastors, when the faith of, of a POC pastor is questioned because we choose to pray with our feet in protest. POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color. When we insist that black lives matter, POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color. So our voices are heard and not invalidated by responses of all lives matter. POCs do not disagree with this statement. We just want to be, we just want it to be understood that the image of God can be seen in our black skin too. Singer John Legend and rapper Common artistically express this experience well in the following lyrics from the song, Glory. Sins that go against our skin become blessings. The movement is, a, is like rhythm to us. Freedom is like religion to us. Justice is just a position in us. Justice for all just ain't specific enough. One son died, his spirit is revisiting us. Resistance is us. That's why Rosa sat on the bus. That's why we walk through Ferguson with our hands up. When it go down, we woman and man up. They say, stay down, we stand up. Shots, we on the ground, the camera panned up. King pointed to the mountaintop and we ran up. POC pastors want our white colleagues to see our color. To do so tears down the veil of invisibility, and it makes it possible for POC pastors to be seen as who we are and known for all we can become. It allows us to see and know each other more. The second insight I'd like to offer for our consideration is this. We want to share our culture. Mutual opportunities to learn from one another shift POC pastors from other to fellow colleague. From a very young age, POCs are taught in both conscious and unconscious ways to observe the dominant culture's ways of being and doing in the world as a tactic of survival and belonging. Sadly, this has also been my experience as a POC in the Church of the Nazarene as well. I have sought to understand and attempted to master her dominant custom and culture so that I can translate and code switch when needed. In my experience as a POC pastor, it is a needed, a needed tactic for survival and belonging. 
During my first year at seminary, I was a diligent student and sought to learn the language, lingo, and customs of the Church of the Nazarene. She, in many ways, both good and bad, was not like the multicultural, charismatic church where I had spent my teenage and college years. When I began visiting Nazarene churches to become more familiar with the flow of their services, I was often approached by well-meaning congregants who would ask a question I started to expect. Why aren't you attending blank Church of the Nazarene? He or she would name one or two of the handful of predominantly African-American Nazarene churches in the area. I never knew quite how to answer that question. I still don't. The Reverend King spoke prophetically about the segregation that exists in the church. He said, I think it's one of the tragedies of our nation, one of the shameful tragedies that the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday morning is one of the most segregated hours, if not the most segregated hour in Christian America. I definitely think the Christian church should be integrated and any church that stands against the integration is standing against the spirit and the teaching of Jesus Christ. And it fails to be a true witness. But this is something that the church will have to do itself. Laying down our lives for the sake of the other is the sanctifying work of God in us. I am convinced that both my Caucasian and fellow POC pastors are complicit in perpetuating the racial evil in the church. Although in our conscious minds we are certain fear of relinquishing power has nothing to do with it, but what else is there? If we are not afraid, we, should, we would create an environment where it's not a documentable statistic. I will claim it. I suspect for my fellow POC colleagues, it stems from a place of fear of relinquishing power as well. The dominant Societal culture has taught us POCs have to create our own sacred spaces where our narratives are heard, valued, passed down to our children, and where our call can be more fully expressed. The problem is we don't want to lay down our power in the church for the sake of another because we struggle with the effects of systemic racism and other overt racism in every other arena of life. Our churches are our safe places. Jesus is our example. Jesus laid down his power in the face of injustice, even his very life for the sake of others. I suspect for my Caucasian colleagues, they don't know how to lay down their power for the sake of another because the dominant culture has taught them they don't have to. There is no model of how except Jesus. Mutual opportunities to learn from one another shift POC pastors from other to fellow colleague. Some practical ways I've lived this out include learning to worship God in predominantly white sacred spaces. I have gained an appreciation for and learned the words to songs sung by groups like Hillsong and Jesus Culture. It helps me better understand their cultural sacred narrative. I wish my white colleagues would learn the words to songs sung by black gospel artists such as Marvin Sapp, Donnie McClurkin, Fred Hammond, and Turin Wells. Knowing and gaining an appreciation for our sacred narrative will help our white brothers and sisters know us better. This also means when gospel songs are sung as part of 
the worship experience, my white brothers and sisters will learn to resist the temptation of whiteifying the way the song is arranged and sung. The original arrangement and rhythm of a gospel song is an essential part of the African-American sacred narrative. To train your voice to learn to sing gospel rhythms shifts POC pastors from other to fellow colleague. Mutual opportunities to learn from one another means making space for awkward moments. When I first began visiting Nazarene churches, I quickly learned congregants in most Nazarene churches do not talk back to the pastor as a way of giving, giving him or her feedback while preaching. For example, I experienced one of those awkward moments when, during a Sunday morning service, I said as the preacher was preaching, preach it, but the sermon, okay, we're going to start. Where are we going to go? Uh, I said, uh, preach it. I said, preach it during the sermon, and everyone turned and stared at me. The traditional Nazarene call and response is more somber and only happens after the reading of scripture. The pastor leads by saying, this is the word of the Lord. And the congregation responds by saying, thanks be to God. Mutual opportunities to learn from one another shift PLC pastors from other to fellow colleague. This can occur when PLC pastors in the Church of the Nazarene resist separate but equal as a viable way of being the church in our world. This can occur when PLC pastors have access to every level of service and leadership in the church. When it can no longer be said that a PLC pastor cannot be considered for the position of DS or GS because he or she is not qualified. Sanctified segregation is not a picture of divine love working in us. Mutual opportunities to learn from one another shift PLC pastors from other to fellow colleague. It is a picture of the kingdom of God at work in us for the sake of the world. Third, we would like you to recognize our disproportionate lack of privilege and recognize your abundance of privilege in order to be more hospitable. Perhaps it could be thought of as becoming less comfortable in order to alleviate the discomfort of POCs. I wish you understood the uncomfortable phrase white privilege the way we understand it. I would like to suggest that it is a closed door on hospitality. Recognizing and, and acknowledging the ways in which white privilege is at work in the Church of the Nazarene is a way in which hospitality can be shown to her. I am aware the term white privilege has become a hot button political topic. It is not about being political, it is about being hospitable. White privilege is defined as white skin privilege. It is not something that white people necessarily do, create or enjoy on purpose. Unlike over individual and institutional manifestations of racism, White skin privilege is a transparent preference for whiteness that saturates our society, including the institution of the church. White skin privilege serves several functions. First, it provides white people with perks that they do not earn and that people of color do not enjoy. Second, it creates real advantages for white people. White people are immune to a lot of challenges. Finally, white privilege shapes the church and the world in which we live. 
the way that we navigate and interact with one another and the, and in the world. Just in case you might be saying, uh, I don't know about that. Allow me to offer you a few examples. Brzee, Whitney, Cagle, Chapman, Robertson, Winecube, Cunningham, Benner, Greathouse, Mittendorf, Gunter, Dwart, Graves, Busick, Crocker, Trombo, and Sumberg are some of the many recognizable names on the relatively young genealogical tree of the Church of the Nazarene. Many of these men and a couple of women have served in the role of general superintendent. Although recently POCs have been elected, none have been African-American yet. Additionally, according to my research, only four African-Americans in the church's 100-plus year history have held the office of district superintendent. I was not born into this spiritual heritage. To borrow a line from actor Steve Martin in the movie, The Jerk, I was born a poor black child. I only became aware of the Church of the Nazarene once I made my exodus from New York to Missouri. My introduction to the Church of the Nazarene came by way of Nazarene Theological Seminary. When I first called home to tell my family about the seminary I was attending, they told me to be sure that it wasn't a cult because they had never heard of the Church of the Nazarene. In the inner city African-American and Puerto Rican neighborhood where I grew up, the Church of the Nazarene was not present. I used my family's fears. However, during my first semester, I wasn't entirely sure it wasn't a cult. Everyone seemed to know one another. They were either related to each other, went to the same college, or were somehow connected to a big name in the church. If people are considered for leadership positions based upon who they know and then by the leading of the Spirit, POC pastors will continue to be disproportionately represented. This seems to be especially true of African-American pastors. Recognizing and acknowledging the ways in which white privilege is at work in the Church of the Nazarene is a way in which hospitality can be shown to her POC pastors. The Wesleyan theology running through our collective veins calls us to do the hard work required for holy love to take root in ways that celebrate the diversity that is the kingdom of God here and now. Recognizing and acknowledging the ways in which white privilege is at work in the Church of the Nazarene is an act of love toward her POC pastors. Poet Meyer Angelou describes this kind of love as a love that recognizes no barriers. It jumps hurdles, leaps fences, penetrates walls to arrive at its destination full of hope. The fourth insight I'd like to offer for our consideration is this. Racial reconciliation begins and flourishes into brother and sisterhood when, personally and corporately, we are committed to cultivating a prophetic imagination, a term borrowed from Walter Brueggemann. This kind of imagining together makes room for more diverse leadership. Part of our job as pastors is to be a prophetic voice to the people in our congregations, to our church board, to our denominational leaders, to remind them and ourselves that our lives are meant to tell a different narrative from the dominant one around us. Brueggemann articulated this sacred task when he said, the task of prophetic ministry is 
to nurture, nourish, and invoke a consciousness and perception alternative to the consciousness and perception of the dominant culture around us. Cultivating a prophetic imagination makes room for more diverse leadership. It means my white colleagues understand one does not represent all. Having one or two ethnic minorities represented at the tables of leadership does not mean all ethnic minorities and cultures are represented or feel welcomed at the table. POCs come from a variety of different ethnic groups and cultures, and therefore they do not share the same narrative or experience. I wish you knew we would like to envision and plan for a mutually inclusive, jointly shared future leadership in the Church of the Nazarene. Cultivating a prophetic imagination makes room for more diverse leadership. It doesn't require POCs to assimilate and become white before we can enter into full membership and all levels of church leadership. Cultivating a prophetic imagination means we move into the same neighborhood, share the same pulpit, and show up at one another's dinner tables and tables of leadership, even if we are the only one. Cultivating a prophetic imagination. So why, as a POC, do I remain a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene? I remain a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene with the help of the Spirit. I believe it is possible for white Nazarenes to notice the color of their fellow POC Nazarenes in a way that celebrates the image of God present in us. I believe it is possible to engage in mutual opportunities to learn from one another that will shift POC pastors from other to fellow colleague. I believe it is possible for my white pastoral colleagues to recognize and acknowledge ways in which white privilege is at work in the churches of Nazarene as a way of showing hospitality. Lastly, I believe it is possible to cultivate a prophetic imagination that makes room for more diverse leadership. As a POC, I remain a pastor in the Church of the Nazarene in the hope that we would embody in our world the alternative narrative expressed in the following lyrics of the song, Lift Every Voice and Sing. As a witness of divine love at work in us for the sake of others. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound loud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of the faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of a new day begun. Let us march on till victory is won. May God grant the people who are the Church of the Nazarene a prophetic imagination that enables us to echo the words of John the Revelator as our prayer. We looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, 
Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen.